Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a brand new Celebrate Life edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, and as we say and declare, for the Almighty. So, folks, this is a day that will be remembered in infamy, and we know that the, uh, the cross is necessary for the resurrection. And so we acknowledge 47 years ago in uh, 1973, the infamous decision that nullified all abortion laws throughout this country, essentially judicial legislation, the Supreme Court acting like a legislative branch, unelected nine justices declared a death sentences, which we now understand to be through nine months of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever. And a uh, staggering count, over 60 million have been killed and uh, the devastation has been extended, obviously, to the moms and to the dads and to families. Um, the impact that that has had on this culture is, is um, really something that moves us on this night to really uh, keep a solemn vigil, if you will, and to be praying with the heart of the Father for transformation, for restoration in this country. And I often pray um, to the, uh, the, the innocents um, who were killed, that they, these souls that were innocent souls, that they would intercede before the throne of God, who are worshiping God, that they would be united with us in seeing a transformation of hearts and minds on this night in particular. We become mindful of that. We pray for the safety of all those who are traveling to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Stephanie and I have been part of that for many years in our lives. And um, tonight, though, to celebrate, because, you know, in the darkness, what do you got to do? You got to light a candle. We want to acknowledge the, the horror that's taking place. We want to acknowledge, even now, those moms who are beleaguered, who are um, in the circumstances of considering this decision. We pray that, the, that there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that they know that arms are there to surround them and embrace them. And if you're in that situation, by the way, tonight, um, give us a call. You know, or contact us, greg at massimpact.com, greg at massimpact.com. I make this pledge. You will be taken care of in every single way. If you are fearing any physical, social, spiritual, uh, relational uh, things as a result of being pregnant, there is a community here that is ready to love you and embrace you and care for you. So I'm going to give you my email address again, greg at massimpact.us, if you happen to be in those circumstances tonight. And that is .us. I think you said .com. Okay, sorry, the first Greg time. at MassImpact.us. So tonight, though, to light that light, we're going to share some moving and fun family stories. We know that you have them also, and it's important for us to be mindful, yes, as our hearts are fixed on this particular tragedy uh, at the very heart of our country, the heart of our people, um, we need to look under our own roofs and recognize that, in some sense, the answer to the devastation around us is embracing the life within us. And so we've got some great stories that we're going to air tonight. You will have heard them if you listen to the Family Road Trip podcast. We went through and picked some from this past season and uh, that we particularly like. Some are fun, some are moving. And uh, just as a way to celebrate life and raise that banner high and invite you to think about with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, about asking good questions and making that sacred time to really celebrate the gift of life, God who is life, in the way we speak with one another, and even more, in the atmospheres that we create in our homes. So, speaking of homes, we made Toledo, Ohio, our new home coming up on seven years ago for you. I it's think amazing. that'll be next week. Ours mm-hmm. are as the rest of the family came, it wasn't until May, but just very 2015. mindful. Um, 
again, as anniversaries approach, right, you kind of get a little thought-filled and such, and just so blessed to be here as the Lord has led and um, been able through our ministry to really um, have thousands of people that we've encountered Mm -hmm. at various gatherings and events. Um, But the real key, the measure isn't in these events, but what actually happens Mm -hmm. in our homes, as you said, Greg, Mm -hmm. it's what happens under the roof, within the walls, in those conversations, in those interactions. You know, so often we fall into the trap of thinking, well, you know, we send our kids to Catholic schools or religious ed, or, you know, we have our checklists of, you know, going to mass or praying before meals or whatever is on our own particular Catholic checklist. And sometimes we think that that's good enough, that our children um, will be formed in just in that way. But we know just by looking around and by heartfelt conversations with so many people in our lives and our listeners, I'm sure you can attest to this, that the culture is the one, unfortunately, many times over forming our kids more than many families are. So we need and we pray for the grace. We have to make our homes places of ever deepening Mm. encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm. So we say this question a lot, and I hope you're not tired of it because it should just be like that little encouragement Mm. of a reminder. Challenge encouragement, yep. But when's the last time that you had meaningful prayer and conversation in your homes, whether it's with just, if you're just with your spouse or, you know, kids under the roof or whatever your family situation is, when's the last time that you really embraced some meaningful time together in that way? And I know for so many of us, you know, it's hard to get beyond the rote prayer Mm -hmm. and rote prayer is beautiful if it's, you know, intentional Mm -hmm. and heartfelt, Mm -hmm. but to go beyond, to really um, verbalize it in our own words from our hearts. Mm -hmm. And that can be scary sometimes, but we know that especially as we're getting older, that fostering this kind of culture in our homes is a game changer. And that's why we exist. So this is a proclamation again tonight. We're encouraging you to join us in this episode and in this day in particular, but in your families is where the battle's taking place. And we defeat the enemy by sharing our story, by talking about things that happened in our lives. And maybe the stories you're going to hear tonight, you might be inspired to share the same with those around you. So gather around the uh, radio and, you know, and, uh, and make it an active participation kind of thing. Pray for the grace to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit more fully alive. Two things that are happening with us, and I want to direct you right away to our website, ilovemyfamily.us. It's the heart of mass impact. It's to see families alive. As Pope St. John Paul II said, the future of humanity. So think about it. The future of humanity, everything in humanity, everything we read in the papers, that's the future of humanity. All the politics, the challenges, the difficulties, the struggles throughout the world, the future of humanity, he says, passes by way of the family. So we're inviting you to put the flag in the sand, as Steph said, and make that commitment as a family on a weekly basis to talk and pray. We provide a free downloadable gathering guide and everything you need. Um, So check that out again at ilovemyfamily.us. 
And another real cool thing we ask your prayers for us is after six, seven years, we've thrown the net out far and wide. We're going to continue to do so. But a good number of families have said in a committed way, we love the, you know, of course, the Eucharist is the source and summit. Our parishes are awesome. We're involved. We're engaged. But we want to be connected with families who are going to intentionally grow in holiness. who are going to intentionally grow in making our homes that place of encounter. You know, so you could, you know, have pickup games. Here's the analogy. If you're into basketball, you could, you know, when you make it, when you have the time, you know, go up the street to the courts as we did as kids and play a pickup game. Or you can actually get on a team with a coach, with people who share the same goals, where you have to discipline yourself. You have to make the commitment. You're going to grow, though, in, in specific ways as a team, you know, further. Businesses get this idea of ritualizing their success. So do sports teams. In a similar way, this idea of core community is the same idea. We are families united with commitments for six months to gather, to talk, to pray, to grow in very specific ways. If that appeals to you, again, I gave you the email address. You can contact me, greg at massimpact.us. But we're so excited and ask you to pray for the 20-something families who've been journeying already for a number of years but have made this commitment to really grow together to make our homes that kind of place. Awesome. So um, what is your family story? Again, Greg encouraged you to just share things with each other. You know, maybe tomorrow or he said around the radio, I'm staring in Annunciation um, Radio Studio at an old Zenith uh, huge radio that I'm sure families gathered around at one point. But just to share stories, who doesn't enjoy, you know, just history, history story, right. right? Stories of our roots, you know, first dates, how people met, stories from when our kids were babies, or just, you know, so many just neat things and meaningful things that have happened over the years. Just to share that, the Lord is always so present in it. So, um, Steph, what is your story corresponding to this night? What a setup, Greg. <laughs> so, um, when Greg opened this episode of Ignite Radio Live, um, you know, he mentioned it being the night before the anniversary of Roe v. Wade um, 47 years ago. And so, um, as many of our listeners have heard this story, I will tell it briefly. But um, so, my parents were always involved in the pro life movement and just. That's what we grew up in, and that's mm-hmm. what I remember. My mother from—I mean, I w- gosh, I was probably four or five, mm-hmm. and um, her eleventh of twelve. Yes, her writing, you know, letters to at that time President Nixon, you know, and wow. um, j- just very involved in the church and very involved in that political arena, and uh, obviously a pro-life proclamation in and of herself themselves. Um, with the 12 kids. But so in 1976, they both felt very, very strongly that they needed to go march um, at the March for Life to march for those who had no voice. Mm -hmm. And my beautiful mother, she was 39 at the time. She was six months pregnant with a little Mm boy and had not had a history of sickness or illness or anything like that. But um, back in those days, up until recently, actually, um, the march was always on the 22nd of January. And so uh, many busloads left from many cities. This one was from Erie, Pennsylvania, and they would drive through the night. So they left around um, 11 o'clock that night. You guys were all doled out to relatives and friends. Yep, yep. And uh, 
so it was just south of Pittsburgh that my beautiful mom passed away silently with her head resting on my dad's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And um, those who were on the bus, they weren't near a hospital, but they tried to, you know, administer CPR to her to no avail. But the um, person, <laughs> excuse me, the person who did that told me years later that um, he could feel the baby kicking for life, mm. you know, inside my mom. And just that beautiful testimony on so many levels as, you know, tremendously sad as it was, but what an icon of what the pro-life movement is about, you know, just that, you know, trying to, you know, kicking for life, Mm -hmm. right. You know, other people trying to revive and trying to save. Um, So my dad continued that pro-life witness, certainly by remaining very active in the pro-life cause and um, with the participation of all of his children, but also just the witness of his life, you know, coming back to raise Mm -hmm. 12 children, the oldest being 17, the youngest being um, three years old. Didn't make much money at all. Had a, you know, blue collar job enough to provide for us, but it was definitely very, very meager. Um, But just the witness of faith and, that life is about celebrating and digging in there and that God is faithful and that he provides what he, what he calls you to. Mm-hmm. And so that's a the brief version of the story that I would like to share, just that encouragement, um, just an encouragement mm-hmm. of life for life mm-hmm. through the one who gives life. And in, in that witness, um, so much grace comes. And again, we here in the Toledo area and anywhere in this country, there are people similarly moved by the heart of God to wrap their arms around you. Whatever your circumstances or challenges may be, in this instance of being pregnant unexpectedly or challenges, there are loving people who are just so desire to give what they can for you to know how much you're loved and to care for you in every way. So we do encourage you again, um, shoot me an email if you're hearing this out of the blue, greg at massimpact.us. So tonight, we, we're so glad you're with us. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, Ignite Radio Live on Annunciation Radio, and we're celebrating life. And we're going to begin with the first story again, hearkening back to our recent family road trip podcast, these four couples engaged for seven weeks of talking and praying in their homes. And we asked the question, what's a fun family story? So we're going to play the first one from Mike and Janine Waskovich, which I'm entitling Young Party Crasher and the Snowblower Bad Day. We'll begin with the Waskoviches. Share a, um, share a favorite fun family story. When we were thinking of them, all of them were kind of horrible when they were happening. <laughs> we could laugh at it later, which is really nice. Um, the one that I was thinking about was my daughter got invited to like a bounce house party, a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had my husband take her because I was busy with the little ones. And uh, he, he doesn't know the parents or anything, but he dropped her off, made sure you know that they got the present. And then she ran off and played with a bunch of kids. And then probably like an hour and a half into the party, I get a phone call and they say, um, hey, we have your daughter, Anna, here. (laughs) Nobody seems to know which party she belongs to. (laughs) (laughs) And I look at the calendar 
And um, the party, the party is on Sunday, and it is Saturday. Oh! <laughs> you got to bounce around with a bunch of kids and have pizza and cake. <laughs> Probably is in some other kids' pictures, you know. With her <laughs> she had a really good time, but it was it was quite horrible. But we all laughed at it because she went you know, the next day. And so she got two, two for, for the price so. of one. That's awesome. That is a great story. And I Mike, I don't know why you let her go first because the bar is always set so high. Go for it. I was late for work. I'm all suited up and I go outside and I'm going, where was the moment we needed the most? I got to get out of here. And the driveway was not just snow covered. It was ice covered. Mm. And my car stuck. You got to do what you got to do. So I get out the snow blower. Tell me your blue skies fade to gray. Tell me your passion's gone away. And I don't need no care none. It's one of those monster with the auger plates. It's probably four <laughs> or 500 pounds. Yeah. I get it. Finally, I'm... Like on the 37th pull, I get this thing started. So I'm, I'm making my one like good luck pass down to the apron of the driveway, trying to make that one row so I can kind of see where I'm going. It's it's dark. I'm freezing. I'm in my little dress shoes like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? It jams. It completely shuts off. And I knew exactly what happened. Oh. I get the Wall Street Journal every morning. You know, the guy comes oh. out every morning. And I tried to, didn't, didn't see it. It was buried in the snow. And I tried to blow it through the auger plates. Oops. And it busted <laughs> this 500-pound monster oh. right in the middle of my driveway. The Wall Street Journal is a powerful Indeed. Paper. You got to send them an uh, editorial <laughs> on that. It was probably iced up, though, and everything else. I'm stuck. It's terrible. And I'm trying to drag this mother back to the garage to get out the shovel. And I'm... Probably cursing in my mind, maybe audibly. Yeah, maybe. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know how to tell my boss I'm going to be very late. Now I got to somehow shovel the driveway, get this thing out of the way. And Janine comes out, like, I'm thinking, oh, cup of coffee, sympathize with me. I start telling her what's happening. She goes, well, I got some other information. Oh, so I got no. some other news. You stand in the line just to hear the news. She said, well, come down in the basement. I just want to show you this. So we go down to the basement together. And in the little drain in the floor, there's raw sewage and toilet paper coming up in my basement. And I'm thinking, this isn't happening. This is like, I'm on on a camera. Mm. Right? Because you had a bad day. I call Rotorooter, and the guy, the guy shows up a couple hours later. He's like, "Your, your uh, drain towel, a sewer t- uh, tube going out to the main is broken. So we're gonna oh. we gotta dig up your whole front yard." Oh. And you said, "Could you so, shovel while you're at it?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but can you take that backhoe and get my car Good out one. of the garage? So, long story short, he cameras it, and it was just all bad news, oh. and. Oh. I just couldn't believe it. And so uh, whenever I'm having a bad moment or I need a good laugh, we just look at each other and remember that story. I'm thinking, like, it can always be worse. Right. You had a bad day. The cattle don't lie. You're coming back down. 
Okay, so I just have to shout out to the Waskoviches. <laughs> I love you guys so much, and I miss you. But to be able to celebrate life <laughs> amidst that, indeed, praise God, you guys are awesome. And that's the story of the stuff of life, mm-hmm. right? Um, so story number two in these stories celebrating life, we have the Dear Blazics and um, all about Brayden. First day of school and crashed by a wave. It was a couple years back. It was the first day of school. Um, Avery and Braden went to uh, school, and this was, I think, Jesse's second year of teaching. And Jesse always gets excited, uh, first day of school, and it was lunchtime, and Braden was sitting there, and I think Braden's like four or five years old. And so Jesse walks up and says, Hey, how you doing? How's everything going? And um, see how his day was going. And he was just kind of look, looking straight, not saying a word. Just Uh-oh. looking straight, wasn't even looking at her. And then she's like, oh, so how's your day going? Kind of brought it up again. And then he still just looks straight. And then he just give this little whisper, go away. Make the world go away. <laughs> so he's kind of embarrassed about it. And she's cracked up and kind of walked away. But oh. yeah, every time I hear that story, I just crack up. I think oh. it's like a five-year-old. Cute Brayden. That's awesome. Oh, Jesse. Oh, Brayden. <laughs> Right, right. So I have one that I can get back at Braden with and with this funny story because <laughs> um, we go to the Outer Banks every few years as a big family and my parents go and extended family. We all get a big beach house. So my mom and I were trying to take a nice selfie of her and I with the waves and the water in the background. So we're taking a couple snapshots of us. And so we go back to look at them, of course, to see how we look at it. And then in the background, we kind of look like, what is going on in the background? And it is Brayden getting smashed by a wave. Oh. <laughs> that we did not know was happening in the background because we were so focused on how we looked for our selfies That's together right. as mom and daughter. And Brayden <laughs> is just getting <laughs> whacked by this wave. Yeah, so awesome. <laughs> just, that's great. He has some funny stories, but so do we. <laughs> Hang on to those stories for his ordination day or his wedding day, because that's that's when they're really gonna get some traction. Awesome. <laughs> we love you, Braden. <laughs> so you're back with us, Greg and Stephanie Schleeder live, Ignite Radio Live. We're celebrating life on the eve of the decision of Roe v. Wade. We want to light a candle and inviting you to do that under your own roof. You just hear Jesse and uh, Drew shared just a very fun story. Maybe consider the question, what's a favorite fun family story for you? Go around in your own home and, and uh, discuss it with your friends. Special news, though, um, just with that beautiful couple, Stephanie. Well, <laughs> I feel awesome like I need like a little news report. No, just prayers for the Blazik family. Jesse is due um, next month, February 14th, actually, with baby number five. So proclaiming that life all around us. Awesome. Story number three comes from John Mark and Teresa Grodi, who are also along the journey. By the way, if you want to hear the full episodes of these, which you do, go to ilovemyfamily.us. You'll see along the right side. But this one is called Locked Out and Normal. Grodi's. Yeah. We are are the weird ones on our streets in our neighborhood for a variety of reasons. Catholic, homeschooling. Five kids, small house. Chickens. Well, Chickens. that's a different Awesome playset, though, I in the backyard. It. Awesome. Yeah, the biggest playset you've ever seen. 
so we're 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 weird uh, on our block. Um, one of the thing, many things that started off our weirdness was the locking ourselves out of the house within the first week. Of <laughs> Oh. But we've also locked ourselves out of the house a couple times since then. Oh, and gosh. the second time, um, we had a new puppy, <laughs> and she was out in the backyard. <laughs> and we've been trying to keep her outside, so she, you know, she would bark a little bit, and we would <laughs> open the door and scold her, you know, and stay outside, stay outside. And one morning, it was Sunday morning, I think we were getting ready for Mass, and she started freaking out outside. And we look out, and there above our house are a bunch of hot air balloons, and she's just absolutely... Oh, losing it over these hot air balloons and so we all start yelling and going out of the house and we've got you know oven mitts on our hands and you know diapers half off and you know not, <laughs> none of us none of us are fully clothed we all Erased go outside image. and the door gets pulled closed behind oh, us oh no we that watch is awesome hot air balloons float away and there we are locked outside. Oh my goodness. The place where we're all just sitting around outside, you know, <laughs> behind our we have a small awesome. section of privacy fence, so we're all kind of hiding behind the right. privacy <laughs> fence. That is a great extremely humid that day. Oh, oh no. Great story. Eventually, eventually Marcus Grodai found a uh, found a spatula to go along with the grill. And just as the locksmith pulls into the driveway, he gets the back of door. Of course. Go and we Marcus. Have the uncomfortable Way discussion to go, Dad. With the Teresa. So um, maybe a couple years ago, Cecilia was three years old and it was around All Souls Day because we had just gone and prayed a rosary in the cemetery. So Cecilia is sitting and coloring a picture and I'm near her and she says, I don't want Uncle Peter to be in the cemetery. Uh-huh. And I was like, Uncle <laughs> Peter in the cemetery? And so John Mark's brother, Peter, was in the semi- seminary the Catholic oh, seminary studying to be a priest at the cemetery. Point. And so I was like, Oh, well, Cecilia, you know, uncle Peter is in this, isn't in the cemetery that we went to. He's in the seminary studying to be a priest. <laughs> he goes, Oh, and then she goes, I don't want uncle Peter to be in the seminary. I want him to be nerble. nerble. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I want uncle Peter to be nerble. nerble. <laughs> I made her say it a few times. And then finally, I was like, so do you mean normal? Oh. <laughs> yeah, normal. Oh. <laughs> like, you know, we homeschool. So I'm like, okay, say normal. And she's like, normal. <laughs> and then we, we went back and forth a few times. And then finally, she goes, Mommy, I can't say that. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to be normal. That is so awesome. That's a great story. Thank you so much. Back live again, having played clip number three of seven. Blessed to be celebrating life with you tonight and just sharing stories. And uh, this fourth one, we go to the Findleys. Um, very blessed to have Lorna and Steve out in Huron who've been part of our team and just a delightful, wonderful couple that's fully engaged in this. And so they were along the road trip podcast also and shared this very fun story, which I actually had to call Shelob. It's a spider story, but... Uh, which of us haven't had spider stories? And then um, Airplane Kid. So that ought to pique your interest. Shelob and Airplane Kid right here with us live on uh, Ignite Radio Live. Finley's a favorite fun family story. You know what literary term that is, Steve? Alliteration? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. So 
for me, it was uh, there's a spider story that I have, Ooh. and uh, everybody's got a good. Spider uh, we're story. all we're all in loaded in the car, and uh, I'm running back in the house, you know, to get something, and because there's always something else that I have to grab, and so I come into the car and I sit down and. I spot this um, large wolf spider mm. in the center of council. And so I look at it and nobody sees it but me, but I look at it and I just, you know, yell out a guttural <laughs> scream. But that's my first instinct is just to scream at it and see what happens. And it like vanishes and I'm just sort of like, oh, oh no. you know, and that's the and worst. So, yeah. So, but instantly when I scream, Steve looks at me and, and he screams. I'm a man. I spell M A N. Like has to turn his man card in scream. Because, you know, we're going to beat this thing with our screaming. But right? And then I look at him and say, where did it go? And he's like, I don't know. Um, you know, what? What? Are, I don't even know what we're screaming at. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why are you like, he's like, well, you really made it really convincing. Right. So Shelob is uh, in your car somewhere at this point. Exactly. Uh, shortly thereafter, about a month later, my sister's daughter um, was three. She's 16 now, um, but she was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. She was very, very sick and in the hospital. It was very scary. Um, I went to visit her because she just needed support. It was a really scary time and it was just me alone. And I'm in the hospital with this little girl and, you know, it's like, Funny story, funny story. I got to have a funny story. So mm. I tell her the story about Uncle Steve <laughs> screaming <laughs> like a lunatic because he has no idea why we're scared, but we're scared together. <laughs> and she just rolled Aww. and laughed and laughed. And she, I had to tell her that story over and over and over and over. And it just, you know, he's, he's such a good sport. He's such that's a joy. Awesome. And Lorna, that's better than that. Nacho Libre. When you are a man. Sometimes you wear stretchy pants. It is. It's a little better. You know, Steve is actually better than Jack Black. What do you know? Indeed. <laughs> Great Speaking story. of Steve, Steve, you're up. It, it was Erin's baptism. So she's number five of six. We're all standing up in front of the church. And this is during the mass. I think it was five o'clock mass. So it was full, full. Um, but Michael at three decided wow, I think I'm an airplane. And he became our runner. And he was um, running around the altar. You know, at one point, I think he brought the plane in for a landing and kind of sat down right right underneath the altar. Oh trying my to remember goodness. exactly. That's when you deploy some F-15s but, you know, fully armed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're trying to hold it together. I'm Surface like, to air do missiles. Do? You know, do, do I chase? I can't chase them because that's just going to make it worse. And, uh, but at one time he did get close enough and I lunged in and I missed him and that just made him run more. Oh. And then I felt like, uh-oh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have reached for him. Because oh. then, then, you know, everybody knows like you're just like really, really That's great. dying up there. Classic. That was our, our classic. Parent restraining run. story. Awesome. Thank you, Finley's. Gotta love it. Celebrating life with Greg and Stephanie Schleter on a night mm -hmm. radio live. Are you feeling like celebrating life? I am. Absolutely. Awesome. And an awesome, even more awesome way to celebrate life is to go to I love my family.us and see all that is there that can help you celebrate life mm -hmm. in your own homes. Um, we just heard four wonderful, fun 
stories. Three more to go. Three more to go that are a little more serious. But um, just felt very moved to share something else as a little intermission, if you will. Um, You know, there are books on tape, books on CD. Well, we are going to bless you tonight, folks, (laughs) with a blog on radio. (laughs) Is that possible? Is that okay? So um, our daughter, Anne-Marie, who's a senior down at Ave Maria University, was asked to write for their Students for Life organization, Ave for Life, to write a blog for their um, website um, a short while ago. And we were very moved by it because she um, describes the culture in which she grew up in. And so I hope that doesn't come across <laughs> in any weird way or preaching or we've arrived kind of way um, for me to share this with you now. Um, yes, we were humbled. Yes, we were moved. But more than anything, I just felt very convicted today to share this because I think it gives witness to it is the little things that matter. Um, certainly there are those go out there and, um, you know, the planet territory. Yes, yes. And yes. But, you know, keeping with our theme that it's under the roof, it's within those four walls that we have the greatest influence Mm -hmm. and the greatest proclamation informing our children. And so, um, may you hear it with, uh, ears of, um, encouragement that, um, Yeah, it's the little things that matter, even when you aren't thinking much about it. You know, so often we think we have to be, um, you know, like, okay, I'm going to form them in this way, so I need to do this, 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 and this. And certainly there are those things that are intentional. Um, But it's also the things that we should just embrace, as JP2 said, families become who you are. Mm -hmm. And that means living it the way that with the image of the Trinity at the center. Mm -hmm. So the um, name of Annie's blog is Growing Up Pro-Life, the Itty Bitty Baby (laughs) in the Womb. God bless Dad, Mommy, Annie, Joseph, John Paul, Catherine, Grace, and the Itty Bitty Baby in the Womb. God bless the little Itty Bitty Baby in the Womb, was a prayer that was almost as common as the Our Father in my house the first seven years of my life. My mama had six of us in seven years, and my siblings and I were always so excited every time she announced she was pregnant. There were a few times that I got mad when I couldn't sit on her lap when I wanted anymore. My dad used to joke with great love, I'm adding that, that the first minute of my mom coming into a room was her belly. Whenever my mom wasn't pregnant, my siblings and I would pray that we would get a new brother or sister soon. Pregnancy was normal. New life was normal. And it was celebrated. I grew up on the shoulders of pro-life giants. My dad's father was responsible for shutting down a variety of abortion facilities while my grandma founded and ran a center for post-abortion healing. My grandparents lost their first child a couple days after she was born, and that's who I'm named after, Anne Marie. Not because she did anything incredible, but because of the mere fact that she existed. 
My mom's mom passed away from a heart attack on the bus to the March for Life when my mom was five. She was carrying her 13th child and left her husband to return home to courageously raise 12 kids by himself. My own parents have both fought the pro-life war in various ways, costing them both. I could get into more of the specifics of how my family has contributed to the pro-life movement, but what I see to be their most important contribution to the pro-life movement was the culture of life they created in our home and how they included their kids in advocating for pro-life culture and legislation. Some of my earliest memories were outside of an abortion facility in Erie, Pennsylvania. I remember the stroller. I remember the fluffy coat. Hmm. I remember that I had taken forever to decide on which hat I wanted to wear. <laughs> my parents had to explain had explained to me from a super young age what abortion was, generally speaking, that babies died. The street was slushy, and sometimes cars honked as they passed. I remembered that that place made me feel yucky inside, and I didn't really like being there. We prayed lots of Hail Marys, and sometimes I got to hold a sign. Also, I wanted to go inside and get a baby because I liked those. As a family, we prayed for an end to abortion every night. We went to the tomb of the unborn child at Franciscan University when we would visit periodically. And that was a place where I felt acute sobriety and even was moved to tears as I came to understand what abortion really was. They brought us to pro-life events like breakfasts, marches, and rallies. My siblings and I prayed for the babies, for the moms, for the dads. When we went to the March for Life, we talked to homeless people, and we smiled at the pro-choice people who yelled at us. When I was 10, I was handing out pro-life literature with my family at a festival, and a man got in my face and screamed at me. There was another time earlier on when we were working some booth supporting George Bush in the election against John Kerry, and a blonde lady yelled at my parents, saying that they should put their kids to bed. That was offensive because I was clearly mature and old <laughs> at the age of six. These aren't the only ways that mom and dad introduce us to pro-life. They fought the war against a culture of death when mom would be doing the dishes and she'd pull a chair up next to her and I'd be allowed to play with the bubbles. They fought the war against a culture of death by taking us on hikes through woods and making movies with us, allowing our imaginations to run wild. They fought the war against a culture of death by having us go around and say what we loved about each other on birthdays and when they'd snuggle us at bedtime. They fought, fought the culture of death by taking all six of us places when we were unruly and crazy and fighting the criticism or judgmental stares of people around us with joy. They did not let having a big family under the age of 10 diminish the quality of their lives or of our lives. It was imperfect, poopy diapers, screaming kids, lots and lots of car rides. Hard does not diminish adventure. However, and that's what every day was in all of its mundane glory. When I was 12, my parents called my siblings and I to the living room. They told us that my mom was pregnant and that she had miscarried. We hadn't even known that she was pregnant 
But we knew that we had a little sibling that we'd never meet here on earth. They really felt like she was a girl, and so they named my baby sister Therese Elizabeth. And I'm crying as I type this because she's so real to me. The reality that I lost a sister that I never got to meet. That's what happened when they told us. We all broke down crying, and it affected all of us so deeply. Since that day, we close family prayer with, Therese Elizabeth, pray for us. So many times throughout college, I've asked for her intercession. When my heart has ached, when I've felt rejected, when I've been confused, she's there. There were times when I was little during Mass that I would legitimately feel her during the consecration kneeling next to me. She's real, and her short life mattered. It still matters. Mom and Dad showed me the beauty of life, and all of their little and big sacrifices mattered. They created a life for my siblings and I that we couldn't help but diving into head first. That's what our job is as the pro-life movement, to show the irresistibility of life. Not because everything is perfect, but because everything is imperfect and beautiful. My parents didn't only say yes to life, they said yes to abundant life. They said yes to six kids in seven years, and also to soccer practices, day trips, dance parties, years of homeschooling, and being a single-income family, and every sort of inconvenience in between. And it all mattered. They didn't brainwash my siblings and I into being pro-life. They showed us the beauty of living and fighting for the voiceless as they affirmed the power of our own voices. My parents have taught me to allow my heart to break for what breaks God's heart, to allow my heart to be moved by what I can't control. They have taught me the beauty of the resurrection, that we can have hope and be joyful before we see an outcome, because we know the outcome. My parents have taught me that life is irresistible, that life is filled with possibilities, and it's all beautiful. We don't have to wait for abortion to become illegal to start living the pro-life culture. We start right now by embracing inconvenience, by celebrating and reverencing life with wonder and awe, by constant thanksgiving and constant forgiving. I write this thousands of miles away from home. I suppose I'm an adult now, faced with big decisions and a plethora of deadlines. But there's so much to celebrate in this season of my life because I'm alive. I'm not going to wait on the sidelines because adventure will never be convenient. And adventure is why I'm alive. To be pro-life is to believe that life is worth living in whatever season. It's to believe that it's all good and it's all gift and that it's all worth it. To feel it all fully and celebrate it all fully. When we live like that, it's contagious. Mm -hmm. It's contagious beyond an argument or a list of facts. Those are important, but it's a lifestyle that changes hearts. It's mm -hmm. a lifestyle that's contagious. I caught it from my parents, and as I take steps toward my own vocation, I can't wait to create a culture of life in my future family. But it starts right now in not complaining, in thanksgiving, in being fully present to receive the fullness of beauty. The beauty of life is catching. 
And we owe it to the most vulnerable people of society Mm -hmm. to show their parents life is irresistible. Thank you, mom and dad. She concludes, very moving as a father and a mom to read these sentiments of a child, our eldest, who lives this contagiously and joyfully. And of course, our other children, we have a journey until we meet our maker. As to all of you folks, we never stop being parents or grandparents or brothers and sisters. We're blessed to be called together to help enrich each other's lives with the presence of God. And so we're going to go to the last three um, stories here. And to set up the number five story by Lorna Findlay, just want to invite us to think about the Ephesians 6.12 proclamation by Paul. He had this tremendous vision of the supernatural realm. And looking at all the battles and skirmishes, internal and external, he said, we fight not against flesh and blood but principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Each of us right now, I think that's the beginning point. You know, that great novel, uh, Lord of the Flies, is so accurate. You know, we're like children without parents. You know, they, these young kids found themselves on this island, and suddenly they, they succumb to the whispers and doubts and fears of things that don't even exist to these flies. And um, that's the power of Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, the enemy, Satan. He can't really affect us except by distracting us from the great affection which is for our God who fashioned us for himself. And Lorna shares very candidly and honestly in this next story a battle that we all face to some extent. It's a battle of of what? It's a, it's a battle of renouncing the enemy and being flooded with God's grace. So let's listen now to her story. Finley's a struggle that you had in um childhood that made you a stronger person today. Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. Hi, okay, so this is Lorna. There's no need to cover what I already see. I struggled in my youth a lot with self-worth. Um, I always felt very alone and isolated and uh, a lot of times angry or hurt, very um, self-centered as far as being focused on my feelings. You've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. There's a variety of things that caused that. You've been on lockdown and I hold the key. But regardless, it was a struggle. Because I loved you before, you knew what was love, and I chose the cross and you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave now read up the shackles my victory's yours I told it there for you to come close there's no reason to stand out of distance anymore you're not far from home By God's grace, I was always drawn to him and I mm. always looked to him in desperate times. No need to be frightened by intimacy. Went through most of my life with that struggle, just having hard feelings of 
you know, no value and no worth and whatever you do is not good enough. And, and I still struggle with it sometimes, but a few years ago, you get to that point where you're like, maybe rock bottom. You're like, mm-hmm. I just can't take it anymore. Looking to God, have to find a way to fix this. Have to find a way to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I always like, God, help me be okay with this. And God always comes back with, it's not okay. It's not, you don't, it's not, you don't have to be okay with what the world is dishing out on you. You, this is not okay. What you're feeling is accurate. It made me realize all of that I needed was coming from him. You're not far from home now. Keep on coming. I realized that was what I was being filled with. It, it was easier. And oh, as you run. I still struggle with it, but it's it's different. I know the, the voice of the enemy compared to, to, you know, what I think is the truth. I know the truth. It's a beautiful, mm. it's one of those things that was a curse, but also a blessing. It was a big struggle mm. because of that focus on looking to God. I, I feel like I have a little bit of a mission now in my life. I want to teach or my own children or just even people I encounter their value and their worth. for a very specific mm-hmm. reason and there's nobody else in this world that is like you and there will never be and never was before and you're so incredibly powerful and special and God created you to to be you as ridiculous or goofy and odd as you are because <laughs> that's what this world is all about but also in the same term you're incredible and wonderful mm-hmm. and, and amazing and so it's just there's so much in this world where we're hurting and we don't feel mm-hmm. that way Thank you so much, Lorna. So beautiful. We are celebrating life with Greg and Stephanie Schleter on Ignite Radio Live and story number six, John Mark Grody on becoming a good father. I'd say with my father, I grew up really admiring him. Again, another real positive aspect of my of my childhood. Show me who I am and who I could be. But um, certainly some of the the issues he had with his father, uh, he and I had, and and I'm sure still have to some degree, which is just, you know, the the ability to communicate well, you know, uh, it's very easy as men to be kind of closed up and closed off from each other and stay on the surface. Also, I think I saw in my childhood just um, the desire to be to 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 be a man of God and to lead the family, but just how difficult that is. Mm-hmm. How difficult it is to take right. territory. How difficult it is to you know you can be uh, 
you can have a great ministry, you can have, put out a great public front, but how difficult it is to kind of go home and do, mm. you know, the real heroism of leading your family mm. and bearing those burdens and, you know, leaning into the, the emotional uh, pain that's involved and just living with other people and, 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 you know, kind of bearing their burdens and all that. Show me. And so I guess the, then the strength, I feel like I understand that in him. And I feel like on the one hand, I have a real empathy with other men, just how difficult that is. But then, you know, the, the, the good coming out of it is just, you know, wanting to, wanting to get out in front of it, wanting to take it real seriously and, and, and work as hard as I can to, to be a good leader in my family and to help others do the same and to just be for grateful for how hard my parents work for that as well. Many will experience uh, the wisdom of this, but my kids, I know, will express similar things. They've been involved in our ministry, and yet it is a great challenge when we come back under our own roof. And all the more, at least in our home, I I can say, uh, maybe reading between the lines, what a great occasion it is um, to say to my kids, circle them up, and has been in life, hey guys, I have fallen short in these ways. Please pray for me, and um, I want my ceiling to be your floor. You know, I, I want you to go even further. I want you to recognize my shortcomings because I don't have, I don't have a blueprint. I'm trying to improve upon my dad, who's a pretty amazing dad. And uh, I encourage anybody who's listening out there not to stop striving for what God calls us to do because of perhaps the lines that were drawn by our father or leaning into what could be better. And uh, what a great thing if we can do that together and be occasions of encouragement. So thanks so much, John Mark. That was Awesome. Yes, it was. And now John Mark's other half, Teresa. Teresa. So this week, John Mark picked a question that was like, what is your saddest moment? And we went around the table and mm. I went last. And I had, um, I've been really blessed that my grandparents have all had really happy deaths. Mm. Um, the people I know have had happy deaths, so I didn't really have anything associated with death, which you would imagine. Um, but I had been engaged before and the breakup was really, really difficult. And that's really what I remember as like the saddest experience I've had. Um, and the kids were like, you know, the kids were confused and then they were like, whoa, if you had married somebody else, then... (laughs) we would live in a different house in a different city. (laughs) We wouldn't be nearly as cool as we are now. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I was like, no, you wouldn't exist. And the kids were like, Dominic, he couldn't even speak. If only you knew the sunlight shines a little brighter, the weight of the world's a little lighter, the stars lean in a little closer, all because of you. He got up and he just like gave me the biggest hug Aww. and he was like, I'm so glad you married daddy. And it was, it was something I didn't expect. I mean, I answered, honestly, I could have given them a different answer, but I answered really honestly. And- Speak your mind a little louder, cause you are old. They were just 
I mean, they were blown away by this reality. This is your kingdom, this is your crown, this is your story. And this is your moment, don't look down. You know, like our family is something super special. That Profound, I hope I didn't uh, traumatize them. <laughs> no, what, what, a, what, a, what a phenomenal way, though, to, in, in kid form, to introduce the uniqueness um, of their nature, a custom designed by God, and how we participate with that, those ideas that, you know, we can understand in theology, but just you've made it very real for them. And for any of you listeners out there, I mean, we are now joined in sort of that, hopefully a wonder that God purposefully made us and fashioned us and that you're listening right now for a reason and a purpose in this very moment. And that as we're in this journey together, God wants to all the more uh, be known and wants to know us. I mean, he, I know that's the whole purpose of family, that we more fully encounter him through one another. So that was... <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord Jesus, we just come before you who are our creator, purposefully fashioned us for relationship with you and in you with all others. We proclaim your wonder and your glory and the mystery, Lord Jesus, that you have great things in store for us. Flood us with an abundance of your presence, of your love, of your mercy. Transform us, Lord, to overflow, that we may be your presence to all around us and claim this world for you. We ask this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is Shirley from Holy Trinity. You are listening to Annunciation Radio, Faith with Frequency.